0: You're watching KCMI-TV. Good evening. Uh, Thank you for again joining us on our Wednesday night podcast. And I can't tell you what a joy it is to uh, know you're on the other side and uh, we're able to break bread together. Uh, I also wanted to say thank you. I get uh, so many tremendous letters and emails and um, y'all are such an encouragement to me. Sometimes when I feel the pressure, and uh, one of y'all will send me a letter, and it just seems like it's a rhema word that gets in my spirit and gives me the strength to keep going. So I want to start off tonight by reading the very first chapter of the book of Psalms. It's a familiar, familiar chapter, but it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Isn't that great to know that you have a season in your life? Every one of us have a season that God says we're going to bring fruit. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The godly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Uh, I chose uh, that particular chapter to read, short chapter, very, very powerful. I'm sure that there are a lot of great teachers that could spend hours just teaching on that. But the reason I chose this few verses to start off our study tonight is because it deals with sitting, walking, and standing. And so tonight we're going to delve into the scriptures um, I want to, really The study comes out of the book of Ephesians and I probably have about 40 pages of notes that I've tried to just take some high points out of this for this short time that we're together. But uh, our position in Christ deals with sitting. Our life in the world and how we live our life before the unbeliever deals with walking And our attitude, or how we handle the enemy, the devil, deals with standing. And so uh, the life of the believer always presents these three aspects to God, to man, and to satanic powers. And so for you and I to be useful in the kingdom of the Lord, We have to be properly placed. We have to be properly adjusted in all three of these positions, in how we sit, how we walk, and how we stand. And so um, I want to start off with sitting because this deals with our relationship with Christ. And... um, Ephesians talks about this. It says that you and I have been made to sit with Christ, not in an earthly realm, but in heavenly places. Why? Because Christ, when he was finished, sat down on the right hand of the Father. And right now, Jesus is in heaven, and he's in a position of rest. He is sitting. He's resting. And so... um, lots of people don't realize this, but the life of the believer does not start out by walking. It starts out by sitting in Christ. And the reason being is because everything that you and I are going to do in the spirit that is powerful, that will produce fruit, comes from the position of rest. And this is why the Bible says that Christ has made us to sit in heavenly places. So your and I experience does not begin with walking. It begins with sitting. I mean, if you really think about this, this is even true in the natural. Uh, A child, when it comes into the world, does not come out walking. But the very first thing that child learns how to do is sit. Before he can ever walk, he has to sit. And so everything in our relationship with Jesus Christ, all right, we're not talking about the unbeliever or how we walk our lives out or how we deal with the enemy, but everything with Christ, our relationship with Christ comes from the position of sitting or rest. And every time you reverse this order and you put walking first and then sitting, you wind up with disastrous results, even uh, think about it, when, when God, uh, he worked the first six days, the last day for God was working, the first day for Adam was rest. That's how God started Adam out, he started him out in rest. His first full day that Adam existed was on the seventh day. That's the rest of God. And so, um, when we walk with the Lord, sitting is describing your and I's position with Christ, not in a natural realm, but in a heavenly place. And until, because, see, sitting with Christ, what it involves and in it, teaches us faith, because rest is the outward sign of faith. We, that we realize that everything we have in Christ, we are resting in Christ and we are looking to Him. Um, over the years, my relationship with the Lord has evolved. And um, many of you watch me minister and you talk about I, I minister with authority. But that's, that's my ministry on the platform. But when I come to the Lord in prayer, I never come as a man, I come as a child, because my relationship with the Lord is, I come to him, first of all, he is my father. Whenever you treat God as your equal, then your balance in your relationship with Christ is wrong. And when we come to the Lord, when we come into his presence, we don't come as an adult that we're self-assured and that we've got everything under control but that's why the Bible says when the disciples asked Jesus said, teach us how to pray he said the very first thing you say is not my elder brother but my father and when I come into the presence of the Lord I'm not coming with accolades or experience or things that, that we have triumphed in I come into the presence of God as a child because I recognize him as he is my father. And so learning to, uh, your, your, everything in your life that you're going to accomplish will only be successful if you have this order in the right, in the right way. If you first learn how to sit with Christ. And um, there's a driving spirit that's in the earth today. Uh, there are so many Christians that cannot rest even in the natural they always have to be doing something god created the spirit of rest why because rest replenishes you when you are in rest it means that you are leaning on god and not unto thine own understanding when you come into prayer uh the the best prayers that i've ever had are those times where it's just fellowship with the lord it's not that i'm asking him for something it's not that we're coming against the enemy but it's just that sweetness of communication, that sweetness of fellowship. And so, the very first thing that God has us do um, is, is to learn how to sit with Christ. And um, it's, it's a, it takes a long time to learn how to sit with the Lord. Because it means you're not out doing something when when christ made you and i he made us for fellowship first and foremost he has everything under control now our next position that we talk about in the book of ephesians is not about sitting with christ but it's talking about walking once you learn how to sit in the lord how to rest in god that's where faith begins to come and see Faith is the very foundation of success in the Lord. There's a lot of people that, that walk out their, their experience before the world, but they don't have faith, and so they fall, and they trip up, and they, have, they stumble because they never learned, it, how, learned how to rest in the Lord. And so the next thing it talks about is that we, we sit with Christ, but now we're dealing with our relationship, our position with the unbeliever or the world. That's where you walk it out. And um, walking out your experience with the Lord, in I think one verse in Ephesians talks about this. Here's how we walk we walk with long suffering, we forbear one another, we put away falsehood, we speak truth to each other with his neighbor. We are angry, but we sin not, we steal no more, we put away all bitterness we're kind and we forgive each other. We sub- submit ourselves to one another. We provoke not one another or our children, and we're obedient and we forbear threatening. And so could it be that the world has not really had great revival because what they see the believer walking out is not something that they find palatable? And unfortunately, statistics today say that the, the the lifestyles of believers and unbelievers are very similar. They use the same entertainment. They go to the same places. Divorce rate is the same. Uh, even their belief systems are some to the same. But see, God wants you and I that when we walk before the believer or the unbeliever, that we walk with great assurance and great power that there is a rest in us. And so... Um, I wanted to read you something because a minister um, not too long ago made this statement, and uh, I have it on my phone. Um, he said, this is dealing with the coronavirus. And there's so many of us as believers, how, how do we handle this in this day and this hour? And How do we represent, how do we walk out our walk with God before the world with this coronavirus and all the things that are happening. And this minister made this statement. He said, the church in general has mishandled this pandemic. And he said, we have tearfully missed the opportunity to lead. And then he gave a quote from C.S. Lewis. And I want to read this to you. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis, who was a great writer from 1948 regarding the atomic bomb and the threat and the terror that it brought to the world. And so, as I read this to you, uh, just replace the word atomic bomb with the uh, coronavirus. And I think we'll encourage you. He said this, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we going to live in an atomic age? He said, I reply, why as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year or as you would have lived in the Viking Age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at any night or indeed as you are already living in the age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids and an age of railway railway, uh, accidents. An age of motor accidents in other words do not let us begin by exaggerating our situation he said believe me and all whom you love are already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was ever invented and quite a high percentage of us are going to die in unpleasant ways we had indeed one great advantage over our ancestors we know more of the gospel and we still have that. He said, it's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristles with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but it's a certainty. So this is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together if we're all going to be destroyed by the atomic bomb or in in our setting by the coronavirus he said let that bomb or let that virus when it comes find you and i as believers doing sensible and human things praying (laughs) working teaching reading listening to music bathing the children playing tennis visiting with our friends playing a game of darts not huddled together like frightened sheep Thinking about the coronavirus that may break our bodies, for even a micro can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. And boy, if there ever was a way that aptly describes how you and I are going to walk out before the unbeliever, our experience with God, it's right there. Because seeing, you and I are walking from a position. Of rest. We're walking from the assurance that God saw this time that you and I would come into long before we ever saw it. And He has already made provision. And so you and I, we walk our faith out before the world by being strong in the Lord, not letting fear dominate us, going to church, reading the Word of God, declaring that God is on our side. That's how you walk out before the unbeliever. And so now I want to I go to the last one, and that is our position with, with the devil. How do we stand? Uh, because the Bible says that when you've done all to stand, you just stand. And uh, I'll I spend a little bit of time on this, but um, conflict with the devil and wrestling with evil spirits is inevitable for you and I as believers. And so how how do we stand before, before Satan? How do we deal with him as a believer? We know we sit with Christ in the spirit of rest. We walk out our faith before the unbeliever. But when it comes to the devil, when we are drawn into battle with Satan, we become weary and discouraged because we're now fighting in our own strength and we've left our own position of rest. In our own strength and abilities, we are weaker than Satan. But in God's strength, we are more powerful. So this is why the Bible says that you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And... um, of course, Ephesians deals with this. It talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And technically, when you read in Ephesians chapter six, I believe it is that lists the armor of God, even the sword of the spirit really is defensive weapons. And so uh, I, I've learned this over the years. I wish that I had learned it uh, much younger in life, but uh, I do have a hold of it now. And God never raised us up to do battle with the devil. He raised us up to command the enemy. And so the difference between defensive and offensive warfare is this. You and I are defensive when it comes to the enemy. We just stand. And what we are saying is, I have got the ground, and I'm only seeking to keep it. Offensive people say this, I have not got the ground, and I'm going to have to fight in order to get it. Whenever you enter battle, and you have not decided who's going to win, you've already lost. And This is why the Bible says in relationship to the devil, you and I are just a stand. We are standing on the word of God. One of the the verses talks about it. it says we are more than conquerors in Christ. What, What does he mean by that? Conquerors engage in battle. You and I stand before the devil from the position of rest because Jesus has already finished it. If you think about it, Jesus ended his life in rest. The last words that he said was this, Father, it is finished and the last Adam took his last breath in rest and then hallelujah Isaiah says this I believe this is the rest wherein the weary should rest and this is the refreshing for with a stammering lip and another tongue saith the Lord I will speak to my people so when God births the church when he burst them on the day of Pentecost, what does the Lord do? He brings them into the place of rest because the Bible said they all begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. So Christ, the firstfruits, dies in rest. He says it's finished. And then when he raises the rest of the fruit on the day of Pentecost, he raises them in the position of rest. See, whenever the devil can get you to believe that your victory is not complete, then he wins. Every day when you get up, you get up declaring this, I've not lost the ground, I'm keeping it. So that the difference between warfare waged by Jesus Christ, there's a great difference in the warfare that's waged by people that don't have faith is jesus said it was finished he was offensive but now we're defensive you say but if christ is offensive then why we are defensive because christ already finished he already won the battle so you and i do not have to go back into war because christ didn't say okay father It's almost done, but I left a couple of things undone. The church is going to have to get the victory over. He said, no, it is finished. So the offensive side of it was finished that day. And when you and I are birthed, the Bible says in Ephesians that you and I have been placed by God the Father in heavenly places, not with a sword in our hand, but we are resting in Christ. And so now you and I stand before the enemy, As defensive, we have it, the devil wants it. You and I today war against the enemy only to maintain and keep the ground and the victory that Christ has already achieved. This idea that, well, you know, I've got to go bind the devil. No, you don't. He's already bound. And, well, I hope God heals me. He's already healed you. When I pray over the sick, I'm not praying from the standpoint, oh, God, please heal him." I come against it from, I believe that cancer, for example, is a demon. I don't war against that demon. I command it to leave. He's not drawing me into battle so we can see who wins. Because I am in Christ, I already won. And so I have the authority over him. So I don't have... Listen, whenever the enemy can draw you into an offensive battle or a skirmish, the first thing that happens is he pulls you off of your position. This is why the Bible talks about that we are unmovable in Christ, that Christ has... uh, Planted us with him that our feet are on the rock of ages that he places us in a position That the enemy cannot move us the only way that you can be drawn away is of your own accord Even in the Old Testament when they had the city of refuges The Bible says that if that individual would run into that city That as long as a high priest was alive his enemy could not come get him, and we know Abner died. He was in the city of refuge. I think it was Hebron and He was enticed outside and the moment he stepped from his position of Safety and he stepped outside the gate his enemy ran a knife into him and he died and, and David said you died a fool's death sometimes the issues that we are experiencing in our life, and the defeats, are because we let the enemy draw us into a battle that we've already won. You ever seen as a kid, you know, you, uh, they say, well, let's do two out of three because they lost the first one. Because that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's already lost the first one, so he's trying to get you to go back into battle, because he thinks that he can win again, and so, um, It is a spiritual realm of Christ that the enemy's defeat is a fact. The church has been put in that realm to keep Satan defeated. See, our our goal or our purpose is not to defeat Satan. It's to keep him defeated. It's not to take the territory. It's to keep what God has already given us, so we do not fight for victory, we fight from victory. You and I are not engaged in battle to win because Christ already won, and if you can learn to get this in your spirit, uh, too many Christians have this defeated attitude. I, I have so many people that come to me over the years, and. They're just crying and say, oh, pastor, will you pray for me? I just don't think I'm going to make it. Until you change that mindset, you're not going to make it because you can't. Faith is not something that I can give you. It is something that you have to gain in your own walk with God. And. I Remember one time David Wilkerson had a lady come to him and she said "Oh, I just asked you to pray for my son And uh, he's 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 lost. He's not serving God and brother David. Will you just pray for pray for him and Brother David uh, he said it just leaped up my spirit and I said are you praying for your son? She said well, no. She said I just got a new job and, and I'm busy. He said well honey He said there's no sense in me praying for your son because i don't have anybody to come into agreement with and see this is what this is what sitting in christ does you come into agreement with christ that it's already done it's a finished work and so everything that's in victory you and i our healings our blessings our deliverances everything always comes From the position of rest. The foundation of yours and ours victories. Is not in the wielding of the sword. It's not in the bloody battles. But it's in the knowledge. That I am sitting with Christ. And the scripture says this. That while Christ is sitting in heaven. All things are under his feet. But if you and I are the body of Christ. Then all things are under our feet. So I want to encourage you this evening, boy, I feel this in the spirit. There is nothing going on in your life that Christ has not already defeated. Think on things that are good and pure and powerful and true and of a good report. These things build you up in the Holy Ghost. And learn how to sit with Christ. Learn how to approach Christ as a child. Why? Because a child believes his father can do anything. It's the adult that comes in that wants to rationalize and, and debate because they have all this carnal knowledge of, of past defeats and the logics and all of that of men. And God said, no, give me a child. That's why he said separate little children to come to me. So with Christ, let's come as a child. Let's learn to sit with God. With the world, let's stand up as a mature man and woman of the Lord and let's show the world that even in this age right now, that we're uncertainty because of coronavirus and the vaccines and all of that, you know what you and I are gonna do? We're gonna live a normal life. We're not gonna be moved from our position. We're gonna stand on the ground that Christ already conquered, gave to us. And then when the enemy comes in, we'll just look at him, we'll just stand still. Why? Because we will not be moved by the charging of the enemy. I hope this has helped you tonight. Uh, I pray it's a blessing to you, it'll be strength to you Uh, until I see you again. God bless you. If you have a chance, tune in this Sunday at three o'clock in the afternoon at Regeneration Nashville. We have a great time in the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Kent Christmas Ministries International or Regeneration Nashville, go to kentchristmas.org or regenerationnashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.